It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Men. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, up and running here on uh, 94.3 The Game, the opening uh, of preseason camp for ECU. We're going to get to uh, all of the the deets of that and uh, some of the sound and some of the magic that was. Uh, Some news to set you up on before we get that, uh, Brian Mull, later in the show. Uh, First of all, we say hello to the one and only B-Baby himself. Ben Byron in the hey, house today. Hey, Ben. And uh, we've got uh, Cookie with us. DJC Squares, he's known. Chris Cook is uh, in the house as well today. Woo! Long day for uh, him because uh, he was out covering ECU practice with uh, other members of our staff this morning. Thanks to the ref, Philip Pilkington, and uh, intern Abby for getting out there and getting after it uh, today. Great job by everybody. Uh, involved there. Uh, Some of the uh, things we'll tell you about, uh, some things that Mike Houston had to say, we'll hear from that coming up in a little bit. I'm going to talk a little golf with Brian Mull. A piece of developing news that came out this morning, and we'll get Mull to speak on this a little bit when we link up with him later in the hour. Uh, Campbell has made the move to the Colonial out of the Big South, so at that sort of Overall, mid-major rank, but uh, FCS rank, that's a pretty big move for the Camels from a football perspective. And with the job that has uh, been done down there in Bowie's Creek with their facilities and with the commitment to uh, football and, and really everything that they have done and put uh, into overall athletics. But uh, the overall fact that, uh, you know, they've had Mike Minner and Mike Minner has stayed and Mike Minner hasn't had a, you know, dazzling record, but Mike Minner has proven that with some resource, he could recruit and they can make strides and they have as a football program. I would look at Campbell in the vein of what JMU was to maybe make a little bit of a move here. Now, it's a private school, so there's that uh, aspect. There are pretty solid academics down there. You know, you've got the law school and and that sort of thing. But I, I think from a if they're serious about sports and football kind of thing, they've, they've moved to the right conference. Of course, the Pirates will have them in week three of the season. Uh, real interesting because you've got uh, a couple of teams dropping down. I think Monmouth and Stony Brook out of the north, Hampton and A&T, and now a really nice job uh, by Joey D, their uh, commissioner. Now they just got to get their their stuff straight with their uh, media deal because that is a little bit of a – I mean, they're on like ESPN Bulgaria. You can't find – they're on ESPN. They're like on Fox Sports Bulgaria. You can't find them. If so, there was uh, like a uh, if like a subset of ESPN Plus, they're up there somewhere. That's what I'm saying. They're on the ESP. They're on Fox Sports Bulgaria Nine, I think. Sky Sports Nine only available in a certain part of the UK. Closed circuit, I think, is what it is. It's closed circuit television from the '80s. 
It's um, what the uh, the veterans or no? It's what the active duty like service members watch cable on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So anyway, that's uh, that's there. Uh, we'll get most thought on that. Uh, the great Vin Scully passed away. That's certainly uh, very very. Uh, uh, sad. Uh, we remember Vin Scully some today. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Vin Scully speaking to you. I mean, 70 years of the same gig. Come on. And from every one of those years, you're probably the top guy in the gig. Not bad. 94 years old. What a run by Vin Scully. A few years removed from wrapping up his time. Ironically, the Dodgers in San Francisco, which was the site of uh, Scully's final broadcast. Um so Brian Mull on that, he's a big uh, Dodgers fan, and uh, uh, like anybody, he's a big Vin Scully fan. Um, a little bit of a setback, unfortunately, with uh, uh, with uh, the the kid Bird, uh, Parker. Yeah, Parker, and this is it's really, you know, kind of a tough deal. Uh, we touched on this just yesterday at the end of the. The show. He he had a surgery. The vascular surgeon, and this is what his mom has put out there, is, is saying that the surgeon is worried about the viability of Parker's right foot. Apparently, the initial injury caused some severe blood flow to non-vital organs such as his foot, and so uh, blood is is uh, as she describes it. Blood is going in but not returning out. And so, you know, that's that's caused for some temperature drop, apparently. There's concern over the muscles dying. Uh, so uh, they feel like there was a clot. Uh, so they're, they're really working through that right now, and this is a bit of a setback, and uh, we're, we're certainly uh, concerned about all of that. We'll, we'll keep you posted on that, but that's kind of the latest deal there. And I, I just hesitate to get graphic the description of this, but you know, his, his mom is the one that's putting the de- details out there. So it's not like this isn't coming through the family and it's not like we're, we're reporting something that shouldn't be reported. Uh, so that's, that's the deal there. And, uh, we'll continue to, uh, keep you abreast of that situation, but, uh, a, a little bit of a setback, it appears, uh, in his recovery. Um, again, that's why let's be happy. He's alive. Let's be happy that it appears he, uh, before this setback, is getting towards um, a normal life. But if you're if you're worried about somebody that's had this kind of, of catastrophic injury taking the baseball diamond again, which, I mean, we hope he does. But if that's your big concern out of this, reevaluate yourself. Because uh, that doesn't matter. It honestly does not. Um, all right. All uh, right. We'll get a break here, Ben. Uh, Deshaun Watson, they have, uh, the NFL, surprisingly to me, has appealed. They filed the appeal on the uh, decision. And uh, we'll get into uh, a Twitter poll we have with that. We'll get into Coach Houston's comments, Brian Ball later on. Uh, We're going to talk some golf with Ball Tiger turning down an insane amount of money. Plus, uh, we've got the final event of the regular season of the PGA. Uh, this week in our state. So all that when we return, stay with us. Dan Patrick mornings, Adam Gold middays, Patrick.
Johnson on the way home. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. All right, let's go. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. Get the latest on the East Carolina Pirates each day on the Patrick Johnson Show with our daily Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. All right. Uh, 94.3 The Game. Uh, with this appeal that the uh, of Deshaun Watson's suspension that the NFL is going uh, with here, a little bit of uh, breaking news on that, Ben. What have you learned? So we just got it tweeted up here at our 94.3 The Game Twitter. Uh, there's a report. Let me pull up the guy's name here. Looks like Jeff Darlington. Jeff Darlington. Work. He's the ESPN NFL reporter. So he says, mm-hmm. actually, this appeal from the NFL is not to reduce the amount uh, that the suspension currently stands at six games. Instead, they want to extend it to an indefinite suspicion, uh, suspension. And he's saying that the NFL is looking for a suspension that at least uh, lasts a year. So definitely some, I would say, some shocking news there. They're calling it what would be an indefinite suspension, which would be a minimum of one year on Deshaun Watson. And then the the interesting part of this, at least what Jeff Darlington from ESPN is reporting, is there's also a monetary fine that would be included. You know, all that money is guaranteed. Yeah, because he didn't lose any money in the suspension, the six-game suspension, right. so, and people were outraged over that. So, yeah. Here, you, you Let me tell you what I think is going to happen. I, I think it's going to wind up being he's going to get an enormous fine with some of the money going towards, uh, you know, causes for, you know, battered women or I women that, see that were... Yeah, NFL's going to turn, turn it to a PR stunt. Well, but it, it's what... It is what uh, the Watson camp is probably going to put out there to avoid a suspension for the whole year. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, mean, yeah, I, 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 I hate to be caustic, and but I, that's, that to me what seems what to make, makes the most sense. Well, that's the reality um, of the situation. I mean, it's not all rainbows and whatever i mean these a lot of these people have ulterior motives or means when it comes to this stuff especially the nfl so well it's the reality yeah we'll see all right uh so we've got a twitter poll up uh vote in it now with the nfl appealing the deshaun watson suspension do you think his suspension will stay the same or be indefinite which would be a term of at least one year uh you can vote uh indefinite stay the same uh, no option there to go down, so I, I don't think we're going down that road, right? There's not gonna, there, there's no games gonna be peeled off here. Yeah, right? at this point, no. That, I, I say there's no way that happens. There's a one percent chance that it happens. Yeah, I don't even think it's that. All right, uh, great job there. Let's get ready for today's pirate report. And now Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety four three, the game. Uh, Mike Houston and the uh, Pirates opened up the twenty twenty two preseason camp. Of course, coach in his fourth year, coming off a 
new contract. First official workout of the season today at the uh, Moore Practice Complex. A little wake-up call, a little breakfast, some meetings, uh, walk-through, and then 110-minute uh, practice in shorts and helmets. Humid, warm day out. Uh, and uh, this will be a workout session today, tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday before the Pirates have their first day off from camp. Uh, this is what Mike Houston had to say uh, to the assembled media. Uh, and his uh, thoughts on day one of the 2022 Pirate football season. How's everybody doing? All right. All right. Day, day one in the books. Okay. Um, 86 degrees. Humidity came out for us. So it was a good, uh, good first day as far as prep for what we're going to see in the month of September. Um, thought we came out with great enthusiasm. Uh, thought you had some older guys that just had, you know, exceptional effort. Uh, you know, great examples of how we want to play. Um, you know, lots of things to, to work on. It's day one, so we did a lot of things that, uh, you know, have to be corrected, but a lot of positives too. But uh, just a, a very motivated, uh, I thought we had strong leadership, um, just a, you know, very solid first day. Coach Houston on uh, how new receivers performed in their first real practice. Well, I mean, that's, that's what preseason camp's for. You know, sort of those guys were with us here this summer, but you know, you can throw as much as you want to in the summer. You go out there in a competitive setting now, and you got a defense across from them, and you got, you know, the bullets flying faster and faster. Um, you know, you got to get everybody on the same page. And so I thought they, you know, there's some some really good plays today, and there were some plays where, you know, those guys aren't quite on the same page yet. So day one, uh, I expect that to improve each day. Who was the guy Ben that asked about the uh, heat during AAC media days? Did we ever figure out who that was? Uh, it, w it wasn't. Oh, the guy, the guy that asked during media day. Yeah, yeah. I, it was a, Jaime it, Finkelbaum or something like that. What yeah, was that it the was the out of towner for sure. It wasn't a guy that was in this media market. So, it, I'm not it, even sure he was in the AAC media markets. Yeah, I'm not quite but, sure uh, what he was doing, but that was an odd <laughs> question for sure. And then somebody else asked it today. Well, that's the answer right now. They got some of them, uh, you know. There's so much excitement, you know, and they and they went up there, and you're going so hard, uh, and then that humidity jumped up about you know first 30 minutes in, and it started getting some of them. So, but uh, you know, they pushed through, uh, and you know, the trainers did a great job keeping an eye on them. You know, every once in a while they'd pull a guy for a minute or two, but you know, everybody finished practice, uh, so didn't have any major issues. But uh, certainly, you know, it's different going out there running with nothing on, and now all of a sudden you throw on those rock solid pads, you throw on your helmet, and throwing the jersey and you know it's a competitive deal so you're going a little bit harder a little bit faster so uh yeah something it's uh my <laughs> you're bad ben uh houston uh talking about uh he wants the second team to perform the same level as the starters you know they feel like there's a lot of depth there's not a lot of drop off from the ones to the twos uh coach are we seeing any of that at least uh, early on well, I mean, I, I want to see our ones execute at a very high level. You know, our first and really our second group because the second group is full of a lot of guys that I would I would call ones. So, you know, I expect those guys to function at a real high level. Um, you know, I want to see us improve daily. You know, as we move as we move from practice to practice, and that's you know, when you have a, a older guy that maybe isn't quite up to the standard. Now, I'm 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 pretty hard on him. I'm pretty pretty direct with him uh, because they all embrace what we want to be, and so. You know, I want to see them execute at a high level, and I want to see them improve. Now, when we get in pads, 
you know, I want to see them compete against each other. And, you know, we're going to do a lot of things with those first couple, those first two groups. We're going to do a lot of things throughout preseason camp where it's going to be game situations, highly competitive, live drills. Um, and I think, you know, we're not going to overdo it, but we're going to do it enough to where we're prepared for that game one. Uh, today's Pirate Report here on 94.3 The Game. It's the Patrick Johnson Show. P-Man here with you. Coach Houston talking about uh, the depth, particularly up front along the offensive line. By far. I mean, I don't know. We had five, period, my first year. You know, it's, you know, so I feel, I feel good about our depth on the offensive line. I think, uh, you know, Bailey Malovic, first day back since that opening game when he you know, got injured last year. Uh, really excited to have him back and, uh, you know, full go. And, you know, just all those guys that were, you know, played last year. So the new guys with Ben and Justin, you know, some young guys, you know, Isaiah and Walt uh, pushing into, uh, you know, that, uh, that two deep Parker Moore. Uh, so it's a, it's a good, good group. So uh, excited to see how they develop. All right. Uh, and the final one today, and uh, Ben and I will have a little dissertation on this here. Coach Houston talks about the uh, decision to bring CJ Johnson back and how he has improved. Oh, he earned it now. It was not a very comfortable spring in June. Um, he did everything we asked him to do. Uh, he understands the mistakes he made. He was, uh, you know, remorseful, uh, took care of the consequences. Um, so July 1, he was fully reinstated. Uh, I think he's done a good job since then, uh, kind of keeping his mouth shut and, uh, you know, letting his actions talk. Uh, I thought he had a solid first day today, but, uh, you know, it's uh, one day he's not going to do it. You know, he's got to he's earn back a lot of trust with a lot of people. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I was very pleased with uh, how he took care of himself this summer and uh, how, he's, how he's been so far. And so if he can stay on that path, then he's going to be just fine. Uh, ECU is a better program, uh, a better team, and a better situation with their offense. And uh, Ehlers is a better quarterback if C.J. Johnson's performing with his head screwed on. Uh, what we, we're going to uh, banny back and forth a little bit is uh, this, and this was a, a question where C.J.'s name was invoked uh, and some other interesting ones were as far as uh, working someone out in that slot receiver to replace the departed Tyler Sneed. By far. I mean, I don't know. We had five, period, my first year. You know, it's, you know, so I feel, I feel good about our depth on the offense. That's the offensive line cut. Uh, uh, what, what did he say, Ben, basically? That, what were the names that uh, Coach was saying were working out in there? Let's just, I mean, we can tell the folks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one guy that was brought up was Ryan Jones, another C.J. Johnston, another a guy who was a standout at, uh, what was it, Pit, the pigskin pig, or, what is it? The uh, spring game, the spring game a yeah. couple years ago, and Kerry King, um, mm -hmm. who hasn't seen much time on the field. No, mm -hmm. yeah, Macy O'Donnell, I believe, was also brought up, who's a running back. So a lot of interesting different names brought up for that slot receiver position. And the first thing that came to mind, I think slot receiver, I think smaller, speedier guys at that uh, position. You kind of explained to me why that might not be the case. Well, so what I think you're looking at there with let's take the first two names, Jones, right? Ryan Jones, you're going to stand that position up and put him there. I mean, they've been doing that in the NFL and really throughout football now for years and years and years. So I could see that, right? You maybe get a matchup of a, of a smaller guy in the secondary or smaller linebacker matched up on your tight end in that short yardage situation, right? Yeah, yeah. 
I think the reason you're working C.J. Johnson out there is just to try to get the ball in his hands a lot. He's a bigger receiver. And I'm not saying maybe you don't think he's as explosive as he was, but he's the kind of guy, in the vein of Jones, he's going to be bigger maybe or as big as some linebackers that could match up on him depending on the coverage. Uh, he's going to be bigger than, than some of those you know, inside guys that might be matched up on him depending on what you're seeing from the secondary. So you, you could you feel like he can feed you can feed the football to him and he can win that battle in that space instead of this go downfield jump ball situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, I could see that because um and this is not a knock on CJ, but before the suspension and everything, you look at each season of CJ Johnson's career so far, ECU, he was steady steadily declining and having his issues at outside receiver, and I think that's a great point. Instead of him going up for these jump balls uh, deep down the field, maybe it's a little bit easier to quickly get him, uh, get the ball in his hands on these uh, at the slot receiving position to get him familiar and kind of just get back to catching the football well, yeah, again. I mean, you know, quick hit type of thing. He can maybe slip away, get some extra yardage, or, or take yeah. it to the house and break one. Because he's going to have a know, size if, advantage at that position yeah, for sure. If it's going to be a phone booth battle. The King thing's interesting because, as you say, we haven't heard a whole lot about that. And I think with uh, Maceo, it, it's one of these things. Uh, it's almost like the defense. You're going to have – you have a lot of versatility with this offense. So there you go. Uh, final note – final two notes on the Pirate Report today. Uh, quote from Mike Oresco, who was on Sirius XM College today. You need a format that is going to have automatic qualifiers. It's not legitimate. Without that, there should be a premium on winning a championship. The 12-team playoff with six automatic qualifiers at six at-large is, is a good plan. So he continues to beat that drum. Uh, tomorrow, ECU basketball coach Mike Schwartz will be on the show. First time uh, we've had a chance to go extended with Coach Schwartz. That'll be tomorrow. Looking forward to uh, that. So that uh, wraps up today's Pirate Report. Uh, NFL appealing to Deshaun Watson position. There's a report out there that they are actually looking to add to it. Uh, at least uh, call it indefinite with it being a minimum of a full season. Uh, our Twitter question with the NFL appealing to Watson suspension. Do you think his suspension will stay the same or be indefinite? Uh, right now, indefinite leading in the voting at 943 The Game on Twitter. 75% to 25%. Uh, Brian Mull, on the other side, uh, some interesting developments with conference expansion in our state, so we'll get into that with him. Uh, we'll talk a little Vince Scully with the Dodgers fan, and then uh, I have some questions uh, uh, golf-wise. Uh, this is uh, Ben Byram standing by now. He's got a 94-3 The Game sports update for you. Ben, take it away. Thanks, Patrick. Pirate football wrapped up their preseason camp today, or the first practice of their preseason camp. And Coach Houston talked about how the new receivers have performed so far in their first real practice. Well, I mean, that's, that's what preseason camp's for. You know, sure, those guys were with us here this summer, but, you know, you, you can throw as much as you want to in the summer. You go out there in a competitive setting now, and you got a defense across from them, and you got, you know, the bullets flying faster and faster. Um, you know, you got to get everybody on the same page. And so I thought, they, you know, there's some, some really good plays today, and there were some plays where, you know, those guys aren't quite on the same page yet. So day one, uh, I expect that to improve each day. 
Incoming ECU baseball freshman Parker Bird was moved back to the ICU to receive more intensive treatment for injuries he suffered in a recent Beaufort County boating accident. Bird, who sustained serious damage to both legs in the accident, and according to his mother, Mitzi Bird, is out of surgery this morning. There are concerns about the coloring and temperature of Bird's right foot, and there are concerns about the viability of Parker's foot, according to the surgeon. High school football preseason practices entering day three. The season kicks off on August 19th. Aiden Griffin grinded through a season that was impacted by COVID last year. Head coach Todd Light says he and the Chargers are looking towards a fresh start in 2022. It feels like AG has more depth. We have a, uh, the, a solid offensive line really for the first time that's not going to be going a lot of both ways. So, uh, And we have a, a good combination of three or four defensive and tight end guys that we like and uh, uh, fairly good skill. Chargers open the season with four straight home games. The Panthers are continuing training camp practice from Wofford College. The team made a transaction before practice began, signing cornerback Devin Jones and releasing undrafted wide receiver Andrew Parchman. Cornerback J.C. Horn participated in a practice after being activated from the PUP list. And Christian McCaffrey looked good in 9-on-7 drills. Sam Darnold Baker Mayfield continue to get red zone work as Coach Matt Rule says the team has about 75% of McAdoo's offense implemented. Practice resumes today in South Carolina. Speaking of the NFL, the NFL's appealing an suspension for Deshaun Watson that was originally six games. Shockingly, they're looking for an indefinite, indefinite suspension that would be a minimum of one year, according to ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington. Zeppelin native Blake McShay qualified for the Wyndham Championship Tuesday by shooting a 6-65 at Bermuda Run Country Club. McShay earned one of the final four spots on the PJ Tour's last event of the regular season, season which will take place this weekend at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. A UNC Wilmington alum, McShay was named the CAA Player of the Year in 2021. And wrapping it up, legendary broadcaster Vince Scully has passed away at the age of 94. More on that on the other side of this quick timeout with Brian Mole right here on The Patrick Johnson Show. More of The Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. On your flagship home of Pirate Football. 94.3 The Game trials at cddresearch.com Greenville's number one sports show is back understand yeah I understand no ready yeah I'm ready it's the Patrick Johnson show on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates 94.3 the game Patrick Johnson show. Boy, uh, we had so much to talk about with uh, just golf and the end of the PGA Tour regular season and uh, the comments made by Greg Norman earlier uh, in the uh, week. I did not catch the Bryson DeChambeau interview, which I think also aired on Fox maybe last night, but uh, we'll talk some golf. Other things to talk about, though, let's welcome in our guy. Every, I've been talking forever here. Brian Mull, our friend. From uh, the Caddy Network and other outlets as well. I know he's doing a lot of preseason basketball writing right now. Yes. Yes. Sports fans out there listening. There is college basketball. It exists. Uh, You know, football and college baseball. But yes, college basketball. It's it's a thing. Uh, All right. Brian Mull, how are you? I'm doing well, Patrick. I hope you are. Hope uh, hope life's good. Everything's great. Uh, Boy, let's start with a piece of news that I think uh, I find extremely interesting. Of course,
course, Brian covers uh, things as well, uh, as we mentioned, college hoops. So he's pretty in tune on this. We both kind of cut our teeth to a degree in the CAA. And uh, you're pretty, uh, you know, pretty uh, much a guy that's uh, been up and down the highways and byways and airports of the Colonial. Uh, you were even there in the old school days. We've broadcast uh, the Colonial Tournament together before. So uh, we know the CAA pretty well. You know it about as well as anybody. I thought some interesting news earlier today where it was announced that Campbell is joining to become the 14th member of the CAA. How about that? That is quite the coup for, uh, I think, the conference in general, but certainly for the Southern contingent that uh, has grown uh, rapidly over the last seven or eight years. You know, uh, UNC Wilmington was kind of on an island, if you will, uh, and, and then slowly and surely they've got, they've added some Southern companions, uh, starting with Charleston and Elon in the, in the initial wave, North Carolina, A&T, and uh, even to a degree Hampton, I think you would, you would consider them, uh, you know, somewhat of a, of a neighbor. And then now to uh, get your oldest rival in basketball, uh, a regular, uh, opponent in baseball right down the road, you know, easy bus ride, uh, easy trip for the fans, uh, it's great. It gives them 14 schools, uh, allows them to break up now into northern and southern divisions. And uh, I just think uh, it's a win-win. It's certainly a big upgrade for Campbell's athletics as well to, uh, you know, the CAA is an upgrade over the Big South uh, by any measure sure. um, on, the, on the athletics side. Well, and the football move is, even though it's FCS football, that's still a pretty good move for Campbell. And boy, you talk about an interesting ascension from the ashes, if you will, that program and where it started and where it is now, that's a pretty fascinating... And the CAA, by and large, is, if it's not the best league annually, it is the second, no worse than third best FCS league every year. No, no doubt. And uh, uh, I cover a little bit of FCS football here and there, and Campbell uh, is bringing in one of the best recruiting classes in the country at yeah. that level. Uh, yeah. A ton of transfers, certainly former Carolina Panther Mike Minner doing a good job there. Uh, you know, folks are excited. They've upgraded all of their three, you know, primary sports uh, facilities in, in the last decade or so. Uh, I know your buddy Sonny spends some time over there and is well <laughs> abreast of everything that's going on. And um, no, I think it's a, it's a big, you know, it's a nice addition. It's, it's certainly a, a good fit for them. And uh, I think their football program is going to surprise some people this year and, and it is moving in the right direction. Yeah, Pirates will uh, play Campbell later in this uh, season in uh, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium uh, the uh, third week of the regular year. It'll be the Camels and the Pirates from Greenville. Brian Mull, uh, Caddy Network, he also has covered the CAA for a number of years. You're in uh, Wilmington and you, you broke the story in a sense uh, – we talked about that it does appear ECU and UNCW are going to resume a series this year. In fact, uh, it's been talked about by uh, uh, Mike Swartz, who, by the way, is going to join us on the show tomorrow uh, for an extended uh, conversation in case you missed that announcement earlier. We got Brian Mull right now. Uh, but you broke uh, the news that, the, according to a source, that uh, the game will be played in Wilmington this year for the new series that is going to be played, be it a home-and-home home or a multi-year kind of thing. We're waiting for those details from what I understand. Obviously, those two institutions need to play. There was a real reluctance by Joe Dooley to continue that. 
I think it was easy for Joe to sort of say, well, the conference doesn't want us going to somewhere like Wilmington to be the road team, da-da-da. I think there was an effort last year to to get a pay game done in Greenville that didn't work out. And I just think Mike Swartz gets it and knows they've got to play. And look, it's going to be a good game for a young East Carolina team based on what you, the Seahawks are going to put on the floor this year, but they need to play every year in my opinion. Yeah, this is a game that has to be played. I mean, this rivalry goes back. Uh, UNCW and East Carolina folks, they they live beside each other. They work together. They uh, they want to mix it up. They play. They have a nice baseball series that's gone on for, for as long as I can remember. Uh, Wilmington's basketball program is headed in a direction where if an American school like in East Carolina were to lose a game to them, it's not going to kill them as far as the different net metrics and things of that nature, looking even farther down the road. And just from a, a financial standpoint, it's good for the gate uh, yeah. for both for both teams you <laughs> that know, helps. To, to, to have that home game. Uh, and they would be wise. I know some of the complaints down here and I know scheduling is difficult. Obviously, it's there's it's a, a moving puzzle that you're trying to put together. But the complaint here is that when that game has been played in Wilmington in the last decade or so, often it's been during the Christmas break. And they were hopeful that uh, if not this year, at least in the future, if they could find the way to play that game on both sides in Greenville and in Wilmington when the students are on campus just because of the atmosphere that that can generate at both places. And hopefully they can make that happen. Here's the idea. Make it the opener each year. Why not? Make it the opener. Even if you're playing it that Tuesday, that first Tuesday, that's the opener each year. Yeah. And I, I think, love it. And I think that's a way that way you get the atmosphere that you're talking about. It's a event to look forward to. It makes no sense to not be playing in basketball. Uh, and uh, I hope it's something that will continue. And it's home and home. There's no reason to try to play it in Fayetteville one year or something like that. No. I think you, if you're ECU, you save those opportunities to utilize a neutral court in Greenville, South Carolina, in Greensboro, in Fayetteville for uh, maybe a, a a third game of a series with a, a so-called P5. I think that's going to be the scheduling, and that's how it should be done. 35, 36 Division One programs in the Carolinas and Virginia, like, and they need to play each other. And certainly ECU and UNC Wilmington makes more sense than any of them in basketball. I'll just leave it at that. My guy Brian Mull with us uh, here. We're going to break. We're going to come back. We'll get into golf. Uh, of course, Tiger was offered a, a gargantuan sum of money. Uh, the reaction from Brian Mull to El Tigre turning that down. And we'll also ask him about uh, the Wyndham Championship and Vince Scully. Brian, a big Dodgers fan. That's ahead here on the Patrick Johnson Show. But first, time of year where you need to be moving around pain-free. QC Kinetics is helping people here in Greenville every day and really in eastern North Carolina by giving them lasting pain relief. If you have that constant nagging pain in your knees, your hips, your back, why not turn to advances such as regenerative medicine? The science is pretty simple. They concentrate your own body's healing agents and apply them to your aching joints, restoring and repairing damaged tissue. There are no steroids involved. There are no drugs, no surgery. The old remedies, they're not the only remedies. You need to learn more about regenerative medicine at QC Kinetics and how it can change your life. Make this the last summer you're going to suffer from chronic pain. The new natural way to deal with joint pain at QC Kinetics. No side effects, no downtime. 
Call them now. Free consultation. It's 252-765-PAIN. 252-765-PAIN. A free consultation. What the heck do you have to lose? QC Kinetics, 252-765-PAIN. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. We've got Brian Mull with us uh, here as we uh, continue to uh, talk about the world of sports. I wanted to give you a few minutes to get kind of emotionally ready for this. Uh, You're a, a lifelong Dodgers fan which means some late nights for you during the summer being an East Coast guy, obviously. Uh, but, uh, look, Vince Scully's the gold standard, uh, not just in baseball, but I think in all of broadcasting. Uh, you know, there's there's these cuts. I just I had a couple of them here. We'll play them real quick. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Ben Scully speaking to you. Uh, it just sounds like uh, – and this was, this was from a no-hitter – in 1956. Listen to this. Magley just kept reaching back for more and more and eventually gave Brooklyn one of the big thrills of the year as he pitches the no-hitter against the Phillies. It was quite a night, one we'll long remember this September the 25th, 1956. I mean, 1956 there. Okay. I, 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 try, I was going to cut this down. There's no way to do this. This is the, the final kind of live sign-off a couple of years ago in San Francisco. Uh, and it just, it's so great. I mean, just, it, I listened to it this morning or actually watched it on Twitter. Uh, MLB doesn't get a lot of things right, especially with some of their digital media, but they got this right, the, the videos they've put together for Ven. Uh, so this is from MLB. I want to play it for the radio audience here. And I mean, I just got chills. I mean, you, you talk about class, uh, but I wanted to play this for you before we, we get you to. To, to wax poetic as if you were Vince Scully on the great Vince Scully. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem, life seems a faithful friend to share. For every sigh, a sweet song and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be. I mean, I mean, wow. You know, bottle that up and give that to everybody who wants to be in this business. That Look, I'm going to give you a quick, Vince, because again, yeah, I, I, everybody who knows who Vin Scully is, if you follow sports, I watched a Vin Scully video on YouTube before the, the you know, I did a lot of softball this year for plus and ACC network extra. I, I just, something, I just watched it. And one of the little preparation pieces that Vin would do 
It was a very small thing. I started doing it this year, and it was so helpful. But it's like he said it. It was like the lightning bulb went off. So, I mean, a pro's pro, a consummate gentleman, and we'd all be better off uh, in sports journalism and probably in life if we conducted ourselves more like Vin Scully. No doubt. Uh, Dave Roberts was interviewed immediately after the game last night. I thought it was ironic the Dodgers were playing in San Francisco when Vin passed. That was where Vin called his last game as the Dodgers announcer. And and the first word, uh, you know, he knew Dave knew him for 25 years before he ever managed the team as a player. He called him a friend and he called him a gentleman and said that uh, he inspired Dave to do to be a better person and be a better manager. And I think he had that effect on on millions of people that uh, that never met him, um, but felt like they knew him. I was certainly one of those people. Uh, like you said, I'm a Dodgers fan because my father grew up in the in the mountains, foothills of North Carolina, and uh, as a young boy, he could pick up Brooklyn Dodgers games on a transistor <laughs> radio. Wow! Uh, uh, late, you know, in the evening and the afternoons, and and, and certainly uh, my first memories of. Uh, you know, that Saturday afternoon game of the week with Joe Gargiola and Vin Scully and Tony Kubek in the booth and, uh, you know, from Dodger Stadium. And it just looked like a, it looked like a place from in his voice and, and, and all the big events, uh, whether it was golf. You know, he was doing a lot of golf for NBC, the Skins game on Thanksgiving weekend every year. Of course, the famous hole in one. He, he called the, 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 the pass from Montana to, to Dwight Clark, uh, San Francisco. Cowboys, uh, you know, as I've gone back and watched these old masters as they've been on YouTube, certainly that was a little bit before my time, but, uh, watch, you know, he was the host. He, he was the, he was the, he was the guy for the masters for, for seven or eight years. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, uh, when I moved to Wilm, I'd kind of fallen away from baseball after the strike in the mid nineties, you know, you get on with life, uh, Whatever I went to a handful of games here and there when I was traveling around caddying, right. but yeah. but kind of lost my connection to it. But when I moved here in 2002, you know, late at night, MLB had the internet radio, and uh, you know, it was just getting to the point where you could start to watch some games. And um, I just I, I I don't know. I was at a point in my life where things were were a little simpler. And uh, I just enjoyed, looked forward to those late nights with Vin. And I was trying to learn how to become a journalist and become a writer myself. And I can't even tell you how much I learned from him about storytelling, about his decency towards the players, about how he tried to always find the positive, how you could tell the preparation. Oh, yeah. The work, the work that he had done. But he would never, uh, he was such a humble man. He was never talking about all the time that he spent in the clubhouse and on the field before the games. Justin Turner said when he played for the Mets and was a utility guy, not certainly not a star, but the Mets had just picked him up and Vin didn't know him. Vin came down to the visiting clubhouse in Dodger Stadium and said, hey, us redheads need to stick together. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Uh, The best for you. And then, you know, as it turned out, he got he ends up with the Dodgers a couple of years later. And certainly they built a close relationship. Um, You could just see the impact from the from the current Dodgers, Kershaw and those guys, um, you know, just the relationship that they had with him. And and I certainly uh, I knew this day would eventually come. It was a sad day. When he called his last Dodgers game, but um, 
just consummate class. I mean, we could all aspire, like you said, any of us who, who are in journalism, any of us who, who are just in life, just the way he treated people. Um, you know, Earl Hershauser was interviewed about him last night and, and very emotional. Certainly he, he, he knew him, uh, you know, and he, he called some of his biggest moments as a Dodger. And he said, you know, Vin was one of, the, one of those guys that you could learn a lot from him just by being around him. He wasn't going to tell you everything and how to do it. But if you just watched how he conducted his life, how he dressed, how he treated people, how he was always a professional, he said you could learn a lot about how you should operate as well. And uh, I think it's uh, a tribute that, uh, you know, he and Joe Davis studied Vin uh, for months before they took over to replace him, wanting to make sure that they kept that storytelling element because that's what the fans in Los Angeles and yeah. across the world had expected. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's uh, it's a sad day, but what a life, what a legacy, 94 years, uh, 20 grandchildren, six great grandchildren, <laughs> uh, you know, just, um, yeah, class act. Tough. It was a tough moment, but uh, it will always be time for Dodger baseball in my mind. We got Brian Mull with us here. Uh, we're, we're talking uh, golf with him eventually. We've talked everything but golf, uh, and that was the reason we wanted to have him on because obviously we've got uh, the Wyndham Championship final PGA event of the regular season uh, being played at Greensboro. Brian and I have done shows from there before, and then we've got uh, the, the live golf stuff. So I want to maximize our time here to talk about this. Let me let me ask you, uh, well, let's start with the live golf thing first. Um here is uh, from Fox News uh, the uh, exchange where Greg Norman talks about the money that was offered uh, to Tiger Woods. So you keep reading that you offered Tiger Woods seven, eight hundred billion dollars, some mm -hmm. unknown number, to join Live. Is that true? That number was out there before I became CEO. So that number's been out there, yes. Yeah. And look, it, Tiger's a needle mover, right? Yeah. So, of course, you got to look at the best of the best, you know. So, um, they had originally approached Tiger before I became CEO. So, yes, that number is somewhere in that neighborhood. All right. So, Mull, here's the thing. Tiger has earned as a player $121 million in winnings, which is a handsome amount of money by any standard. His fortune has come from his endorsements and, and other things that he's involved in, business or, or what have you. Um, but still, the guy's a, if he's not a billionaire, he's pretty darn close, right? Absolutely. Uh, so, but this is, he probably could have said a billion dollars and they'd have paid it, paid it to him. Uh, so, there's two things at play here. He doesn't need the money. And you say, and I don't mean this in a nefarious way, but power. Yeah, it would have destroyed the PGA Tour as we know it. Um, you know, he's the North Star for a lot of guys. You can hear it in their comments when when they're interviewed at length. Uh, he was an inspiration, the reason the Justin Thomases, Jordan Spieths, on and on, Colin Morikawa's started playing golf. And it's a thrill when they are able to compete against him now on a limited basis. And, and they were thrilled when he won the Masters a couple of years ago. But he, he was... He's the one, and he's now obviously at a stage in his career where he is in more of a leadership role, whether it's as the captain of these Ryder Cup and President Cup teams, assistant captain, whatever. And had he made that decision, it would have uh, it, the, the PGA Tour would have crumbled because I think he would have seen a mass exodus to live among the top players. And I think um, 
you know, he made a decision that was bigger than himself. And certainly that's an obscene amount of money to even turn down. But I, I frankly don't feel like he ever considered it. I don't see where he had anything to gain. He's not particularly close with uh, Greg Norman, although Greg was not involved. But I'm sure there were, you know, there were always rumblings Greg was going to be involved. They're, they're not particularly close. Um, Norman tried to kind of pass the torch because he had been the number one player in the world and Tiger wasn't interested in taking the torch from a guy who couldn't close majors on Sundays. He, he, he was more interested in learning from Jack and guys of that nature. So um, there was a, maybe a little bit of a riff there. And uh, Tiger made the decision he felt was best, I think, for, for the game of golf. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, not a blow to live, but would have been a crushing blow to the PGA. Wyndham Championship uh, this weekend starts tomorrow in uh, Greensboro, final regular season event of the PGA Tour. We'll see HV3, we'll see Webb Simpson. Guys are trying to make the playoffs, uh, including Webb. What's at stake this weekend? Yeah, that tournament's been an annuity for Webb Simpson through his career. Uh, I think he's, <laughs> he had four straight top threes before last year, and he stumbled all the way to seventh. <laughs> of course, he, he's won it in the past. Um, he's not played well this year. He hadn't had a top 10 in 2022, and he needs a good week to lock up his spot in the playoffs. Ricky Fowler is another guy, a, a big name, uh, that uh, certainly needs to to do the same. And, um, you know, it's an interesting year for the Wyndham because it's always been this last regular season event where guys are trying to get in the top 125 and holding the same spot on the schedule next year uh, with the new format on the PGA Tour. It'll be the top 70 guys, to, you know, because only 70 guys are going to get into the three playoff events. So uh, it will strengthen the Wyndham's field in that regard because you'll just have a higher caliber of player there that's trying to, to improve his position. I've uh, just got a report from someone who's uh, caddying in the Pro-Am earlier uh, this morning, and uh, the golf course is, is good, as always, thick, rough, fast greens, uh, but there'll be a lot of birdies, and, um, you know, generally, that golf course kind of produces the same type of players uh, that win there. Guys who play well there seem to play well there every year. It has what they would call a very sticky course history, um, so... Uh, you know, it, it will be uh, it'll be interesting to watch it unfold as it always is. But uh, somebody's going to have to shoot twenty under probably to win the tournament. Who do you like this week? I like a couple of guys. I like the former University of Virginia player Denny McCarthy. I like uh, Russell Henley, who had the tournament in his grasp last year and kind of collapsed late. Um, and I like uh, I like J T. Poston, another North Carolinian, Western Carolina uh, native of Hickory, Western Carolina golfer who won a few weeks ago and. Won the Wyndham in 2019. He's been on a he's been on a nice roll, and uh, nobody on tour putts better than he does. So uh, I think uh, they're kind of on my short list of guys. And, uh, the big the biggest names in the field are Shane Lowry, Sung J M, as far as world ranking. Um, oh, and Harold. Wills Will Zalatoris, and certainly our guy Harold has uh, has has played well with a few top tens there as well. Thanks a lot, Mole. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Patrick. Always a pleasure. Have a good weekend. You too. Brian Mull with us. Uh, the complete interview with Brian Mull will be up on our brand new YouTube page. We'll get all that uh, hashed out. Good stuff there from Mull. You want to check the entire thing out later on. Uh, we'll post a copy of the episode today as well. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to Cookie and uh, all of our staff. Thanks to Mull. We'll be back tomorrow with Mike Swartz at 5 o'clock. 
struggling with ulcerative colitis? We are enrolling adults with moderate to severe ulcerative colitis to a clinical trial. Participants must be 18 to 75 years of age, must have had a diagnosis of UC for a minimum of three months, and are currently having symptoms, and have failed conventional treatments. Eligible participants may receive investigational study drug or placebo at no cost. Please contact Carolina Digestive Diseases in Greenville to see if you qualify. 252-758-8181 or clinical trials at cddresearch.com. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's Kids Night at Moore's Barbecue. Let us take care of dinner tonight for your little ones. Every Wednesday night, kids 10 and under eat free with the purchase of an adult meal. 